Hello and welcome to my podcast uh, today. Today I'm going to talk about um, how I ended up projectile vomiting all over a children's play area, um, which describes my personal run-in with antimicrobial resistance and why antimicrobial stewardship is so important. So I should probably make this clear before we start. This is not a story of some crazy alcohol-fueled student night out, uh, but a cautionary tale about the use uh, and actually the misuse of antibiotics. Um, and it's easy to think that antimicrobial or antibiotic resistance um, and looking after those antibiotics um, doesn't necessarily affect you. Uh, but I hope that by using my uh, slightly unpleasant encounter with a very, very bad bug, that I can show you that it's a problem that affects us all and is also something that we can all kind of help change. Uh, so I'm going to start by telling you what happened to me. So some years ago, I was on a work placement in, uh, in Africa, helping with the Ministry of Health's um, data collection on the burden of schistosomiasis in school children across the country. Now schistosomiasis is caused by a worm that lives in blood vessels around either the gut or the bladder and can cause many different symptoms such as abdominal pain, fever and the passing of blood. Um, and those eggs are released into the urine or the poo and if like many people around the world you don't have access to a safe clean toilet those eggs can make their way into the water system where they find a snail to live in um, for a while, and then they burst out of that snail. And if there is a human in the water, the parasite can burrow into their skin and start that cycle all over again. And there's a link to the WHO's um, website about schistosomiasis in the blog. But that's an aside. Um, it's just a background to the, <laughs> the general story. Um, but this work involved going out to schools in different sort of local districts, uh, but to start with, I was based in a hotel in the capital where I was learning from the Ministry of Health team all that I needed to know about the logistics of their schistosomiasis control programme. Now, I believe my run-in with the bad bacteria started with, a, <laughs> with an error of judgment on my part, uh, and I was eating breakfast from one of those shiny metal tins with the, with the lift-up lids that is so often served um, lukewarm and left for, for many hours in the restaurant. Uh, which are the perfect conditions for bacteria to start thriving. But bacteria are, of course, all around us, and we eat millions or billions of them every day in our day-to-day -day, uh, routine. But most of the time, they're completely harmless. Very occasionally, they're not so harmless. Um, and I've got a link to read about the good, the bad, and the ugly bacteria on my blog. Um, it also didn't help in my case that I was coming from a completely different geographical place, so in England, uh, and my gut wasn't used to the local bacteria, which means it was more likely to be able to colonise and, and cause problems. So whilst we were making our plans and sorting out equipment uh, that we'd need, little did I know that that new bacteria was quietly multiplying in my gut and beginning to cause mischief. So off we went into the countryside and my bad bacteria came with us. I won't bore you with the details of my uh, increasingly unpleasant symptoms. Um, if you're lucky enough to know if I've had a stomach bug, uh, there's a link to read about the symptoms of food poisoning. Um, I should at this point also clarify that food poisoning can be caused by bacteria, parasites or viruses, but when ingested with uh, contaminated food, this is often a bacterial issue. After a few days of assuming that this bug would go away and I would get over it, uh, my lovely colleagues started to realise that I was struggling and so they decided to take me to a pharmacy in the nearest town. Uh, and we went in and I explained my symptoms 
uh, and the pharmacist gave me a course of antibiotics to take and I took them but it was quite clear after another couple of days that I was still just getting worse so we then checked in to another pharmacy in another town as we were moving around and the same thing happened again but with a different type of antibiotic I still got worse to the point where actually I was really quite quite unwell nauseous and despite barely eating um unpleasant liquids were coming out of places that they shouldn't sorry um I stupidly kind of carried on soldiered on until about a week later when we arrived at a school um and the car ride it made me feel really really sick and as soon as I got out of the car I vomited all over the children's playground and and pretty much just collapsed from exhaustion which was was pretty awkward in front of a load of children <laughs> It was a very clear signal, though, that something was actually seriously wrong by now. And after spending that day lying in a little sad ball in the back of the car whilst the rest of the team were working, uh, we headed back to the city so I could I could get properly treated at hospital. I checked into a different hotel um, to avoid that breakfast. Um, and the nearest hospital to me was a private one. Um, so I went there. Um, I told them about my symptoms and they gave me some painkillers and told me that I probably had a urine infection, which was surprising considering my uh, symptoms, and that I should come back in three days if it hadn't gone away. At that point, I was really quite weak, uh, to the point where I just sort of crawled back to the hotel uh, and slept until one of my lovely colleagues rang me to check that I was okay. And he decided that uh, I was clearly not very well at all, and he came to take me to a different, different public hospital this time. Whilst I was in the hospital, I waited for three hours and it was hot and it was the corridor was packed with people um, until a doctor who was clearly rushed off her feet from all of those patients sent me for an ultrasound test. Um, all this seemed to confirm was that my organs were where they should have been, um, but they decided based on that that I must have had an infection. Um, and then after another quite a long wait, I was pres prescribed some extremely strong uh, antibiotics, some painkillers, anti-emetics, uh, which would stop me vomiting, and then some sachets of, of good bacteria to restore my natural bacterial community, uh, which not only had taken a hammering from the infection, but also would take a good old beating from the antibiotics that I was about to take. Um, and it's well known that our gut microbiome, so the community of bacteria that live in our gut anyway, is really badly disrupted when we take antibiotics. So I slowed back off to the hotel to take my many, many medications. Um, and actually for a week, I felt almost as bad as when I was actually sick. The antibiotics were so strong, they actually made me vomit anyway. Uh, and I had terrible insomnia for the whole of that week. Uh, but after five days, um, I emerged completely weak, uh, a whole stone lighter, uh, but finally feeling a bit better. And uh, while I was sick, I Googled the antibiotics that I had been taken uh, taking levofloxacin and I discovered that uh, the dose that they had given me the doctor had given me was actually higher than I uh, than if I had caught the plague the black death which was uh, ironic considering I was working on the uh, plague at the time for my PhD now I've not deliberately named the country that this happened in um, and this is actually because it doesn't really matter where I was because it's a truly global problem and it could have happened pretty much anywhere um, and whilst this is just one story about one country and one person, it's happening every day to millions of people around the world. And it's that scale that is the true problem. 
So none of the antibiotics I got from the local pharmacies worked because the bacteria that caused my infection were resistant to them. So the drugs couldn't kill the bacteria and they just kept growing. It's also important um, to note that, as I say, it's not only bacteria that can become resistant to drugs, um, but also viruses, fungi and parasites can be resistant, can become resistant to. Um, so antibiotics treat bacteria, antivirals treat viruses, antifungals treat fungi, and I'm sure you can guess antiparasitics treat parasites. Um, and the term for this sort of global resistance is called antimicrobial resistance. Um, I'm talking about antibiotics in my story here because my infection was caused by a bacteria. Um, so what we can look at now is some of the issues that I encountered as part of this story um, and how they contribute to antimicrobial resistance. And they're all kind of um, within the umbrella of antimicrobial stewardship. So how we sort of work with and deal with antibiotics and their use. So the first thing was the availability of antibiotics um, without a prescription. And antibiotics are available without prescription um, for both humans and animal consumption in many countries across the world. Uh, and this lack of regulation is much more common in low and middle income countries. When we did a study and we looked at the number of countries in the WHO African region, we found that clinical antibiotics, uh, so antibiotics used for people, were prescription only, uh, so regulated in less than half, 43% of countries. And that number dropped down to a third, 32% for antibiotics um, for veterinary use. Which means that in the majority of countries, um, you can get antibiotics over the counter without having to talk to somebody who is kind of um, registered. So if you can access antibiotics without guidance of a trained professional, um, you risk taking the wrong type of antibiotic, the wrong quantity of the antibiotic, and potentially for the wrong length of time. You're also less likely to be given the correct advice, such as how to take them and making sure that you take the entire course of antibiotics. Generally, scientific research suggests that it's better to finish taking antibiotics um, to reduce the chances of causing antimicrobial resistance to spread, although some studies have challenged this view recently. Then there's the lack of appropriate diagnostic testing. And in my case, neither of the hospitals um, did appropriate diagnostic tests, um, either nothing at all or, or an ultrasound. And in most countries, the gold standard, uh, so the best test for something like a stomach infection is stool culture, um, where you take a sample of the poo um, and culture it on plates. So it's growing the bacteria um, and then identifying them. And as part of that, you can also identify what they're resistant to as well. The private hospital, as I say, didn't offer me any tests at all. They just assumed, based on what I had told them, that I incorrectly had an in, a urine infection. And whilst the second hospital did do an ultrasound, which is quicker than culturing or potentially PCR, they didn't. it didn't really tell them anything particularly useful. And it certainly didn't tell them what drugs the bacteria that was causing my infection was resistant to, which meant they prescribed a broad-spectrum drug at an eye-wateringly high dose uh, to basically destroy and nuke the bacteria and all of my own good bacteria as well. Broad spectrum antibiotics work against a wide range of bacterial species and they're often used with the uh, when the treatment is empirical, which means the doctors base their choice of drugs on their experience of what has worked in the past rather than any concrete test results. There's also a lack of surveillance. So the pharmacists and the doctors who 
treated me may not have known which antibiotics the bacteria in my gut were likely to be resistant to. In many countries, there is little data on what antimicrobial resistances uh, are common because they are not routinely collected uh, on a large scale or it's not centrally reported to the government. This means that coupled with this lack of diagnostic testing, when the doctors are trying to find drugs to treat people, it is hard for them to choose the right antibiotic. And just to confuse matters, resistance to one antibiotic might be common in one country, but not necessarily seen in another, which means a patient might be treated with a drug the bacteria are already resistant to, or they'll use a broad spectrum antibiotic, uh, where a narrow spectrum one might have been more appropriate. The WHO, as well as other groups, have started to create global antimicrobial resistance surveillance programs to help combat this. And an example of that is the Global Antimicrobial Resistance and Use Surveillance System also known as GLASS. There's a lack of awareness and education. So the pharmacists I saw didn't necessarily know how to treat my infection. In many countries, antibiotics are available without prescription, and therefore the people that are selling them don't necessarily know the best way to treat you. This also includes the treatment of animals as well. And whilst the owner of a pharmacy may have to have a license and a formal education, that doesn't necessarily mean that the people working in the pharmacy do. There's also a lack of education or awareness on the patient's side as well. Even if you live in a country where antibiotics are regulated, if you go to a doctor with a chest infection, say, you expect to be given something to treat it with, as otherwise you probably feel like it's a wasted journey or that the doctor isn't really taking you that seriously. The doctor or pharmacist can feel pressured into giving you treatment where you don't need it. Uh, Many studies have shown that education programs and awareness campaigns for both medical staff and the general public, such as the World Antimicrobial Awareness Week, can reduce the use of antibiotics or inappropriate antibiotics. Then there's the cost. And whilst thankfully I had travel insurance to cover the costs of my many visits to pharmacies and hospitals, most people are not so lucky. In many countries, the cost of seeing a doctor to get medical opinions and most appropriate diagnostic tests can be extremely expensive. Um, Just look at the USA. And these economic barriers to healthcare disproportionately affect poorer communities. So in countries where you can access drugs without seeing a qualified medical person, it makes sense that many people just buy drugs over the counter purely for the cost. Another issue is that pharmaceutical companies often give pharmacists and doctors bonuses for prescribing certain drugs meaning they might be biased when it comes to the drugs that they give you. There's also the use of uh, antibiotics in animals, which is thankfully less common now than it once was, but antibiotics used to be used, and still are, in farm animals to aid quick growth and maximise profit. Other potentially suboptimal practices include preventative or prophylactic treatment, which includes treating a whole herd or flock of animals when only one of them or a few of them has an infection, which is hoped to stop it spreading. The WHO has now published guidelines to try and curb the inappropriate use of antimicrobials to help reduce the spread of resistance. So the important thing is, how do we try and change this? How do we try and prevent antimicrobial resistance spread spread by improving um, antibiotic and antimicrobial um, stewardship? It may sound scary what I've kind of mentioned, but there are some things that we can all do to reduce the spread of antimicrobial resistance and keep our antibiotics safe. Some of these things, of course, will involve changing policy, which would need significant government investment. And it's important to do research to identify the best ways to combat antimicrobial resistance to inform these changes appropriately. 
so this is something I'm involved in and I'm quite passionate about. And we're looking at uh, how to change how sorry how the changes in infection prevention and control policies and antibiotic stewardship on COVID-19 wards have affected the spread of antimicrobial resistance. And you can read about this project um, in my other article, Has the COVID-19 Pandemic Lit a Fire Under a Hidden Pandemic? There are also many things that you or I can do in our daily lives to try and help fight the spread of AMR though. Um, so a list of these things. Um, there's also web pages, of course, um, but education is really important. And making sure that you are aware of how resistance spreads is the best tool in our arsenal of weapons to fight it. There are loads of good sources of information, um, scientific papers, plain language websites and governmental campaigns. Um, and two good places to start include the World Antimicrobial Awareness Week campaign and the REACT Group's website. When you do need antibiotics, it's good to use them appropriately. Um, and the WHO has guidelines on how to do this. There's a link in on the website. And um, you should also try and get vaccinated for as much as you can, because by reducing the diseases you might catch, you are reducing the amount of antibiotics you are likely to need in your lifetime, and also reducing the amount of times you might go to a doctor and then potentially be given the wrong treatment. Good hygiene is also really important. Um, and this is kind of in a number of ways by preparing food safely and uh, not eating day old breakfasts, um, washing your hands more often, uh, you're less likely to become infected in the first place by sneaky pathogens trying to take control. Cleaning skin wounds, for instance, also helps prevention spreading, uh, pre helps prevent infection spreading. COVID-19 has obviously introduced the world to lots of good practices for reducing the spread of respiratory diseases, such as the use of masks and physical distancing as well. So it's good to kind of consider these things. We're far more likely to be able to control antimicrobial resistance if we all work together. And prevention is better than cure because that way, if you, start, if you don't get an infection in the first place, you will never need to use antibiotics. Um, so let's hope I can put this into practice the next time I cross a uh, come across a bad bacteria. I'm hoping that I will be more prepared to fight it properly and less likely to end up uh, entertaining some school children um, in a playground. <laughs>